I would like to share this, this story with you that happened to me that I had no idea would serve as preaching content 12 years later. June of 2011, I had the honor and the privilege of meeting this absolutely amazing, gorgeous, fine, beautiful, intelligent, serving, loving, 5'3 yellow bone, who at that time went by the name of Tanisha Taylor. As I met her and we started to have these conversations, I began to do some investigation. Asked the pastor about her, her friends about her. She was a part of the choir, so I asked choir members about her because forever's a long time to be wrong. <laughs> so I'm asking all these questions well, I could really learn about her. And I discovered that she was a praise and worship leader at her church, that she had a group of women that she was discipling, that she would have come over to her apartment and they would disciple and they would talk through the scriptures together and learn about the beauty of the gospel together. She was going on mission trips in Tanzania. She went over to Africa to serve people. And she also would go to juvenile detention centers and was preaching the gospel to them. So I'm impressed. And as we're building and courting, she even bought my album, y'all. Now, don't say all like it was just out of support. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Now, I had some bars. <laughs> she bought my album, and she would even listen to it. And I had, like, apparel back then when I had concerts. And she even bought the apparel. Like, you know that a person is feeling you when y'all match. Like, we went out on dates, showed a picture. This is how we look. We're matching. We have, see, the dating scene in 2023 is just ghetto. Like, want me to wear a shirt that you produce? Okay, you are a narcissist. You are controlling. I am a whole, and I wear what I want. It's just ghetto. I'm glad I'm not there. But she would wear apparel, and we would go out on dates together. And so I began to feel this, this feeling like, man, this, this is probably my wife. And I couldn't shake it, and I'm pursuing her. And so one day I call her, and I'm excited. Remember, I just told you I'm starting to believe that she's my what? Okay. Then she says, like I articulated before, Jerry, don't call me no more. Excuse me? <laughs> Remember, I'm thinking that she's my. And she says, don't call me anymore. I said, okay, it's, it's did I do something? Did I, did I say something? I'm sorry, but what, what is it? And she says, no, I don't know who sent you. And right now in my life, I'm incapable of counterfeits. I'm incapable of distractions. I'm incapable of being placed in a season of recovery unnecessarily. Let me drive it home a little further. If somebody knocks on your door, how many of us would just open it? Nobody raise a hand. Somebody knocks on your door. The only person that might just open it is the immature. It's a child who has not been taught that you don't open the door for strangers. And if that be true, I wonder why so many of us are opening the door to strange spirits. 
Because you just said if somebody knocked, you wouldn't open it. Let me put my foot on the gas a little further. If somebody knocked, you don't have a ring doorbell, you don't have a camera, you, can't, you don't have a peephole, and you ask, who is it? And they say, it's me. How many of us open the door then? <laughs> who is this me? <laughs> so what you're saying is just because they're using a familiar statement doesn't mean I'm familiar with who it is. Right? I promise I'm going somewhere. You wouldn't open it if they say, it's me. So why are we opening our ears and our heart to people who keep telling us God told me? When you yourself should have a relationship enough to know when God is speaking, that sounds like daddy. She says, don't call me anymore. I don't know who sent you. I don't know if you're sent by God or the devil. And I'm on the phone like, baby girl, I promise you I'm not the devil. I promise you I'm not the devil. And she's like, with all due respect, the devil would say that. So I need to fast. I need to pray. I need to seek out my pastor, my spiritual leaders, so that I could hear, listen, I could hear what God is saying and not you. Look, look, I want you to notice this. She intentionally took the most common voice out of her ear. We talked all day, every day. She says, I'm going to remove the most constant voice before I make a choice so I can hear God's voice on it. I want to heighten my discernment so that I can lower deception. Are y'all hearing me? I had no idea that when this happened 12 years ago that this would serve as preaching content. She's making sure I'm getting the most constant voice out of my ear so I can have higher discernment and experience lower deception because watch this church family, the afterbirth of deception is distrust. Did y'all hear me? The afterbirth of deception is distrust. One of the most painful blows to ever hit the human heart is to be deceived, tricked, cheated on, lied to, played calm, whatever you want to call it. One of the most painful things to hit the human heart is deception. Why? Because deception is the gut punch that makes our soul struggle to catch its breath after you found out that day. Once you discover that he, once you learn that she, something happens on the inside of us when you learn that what you thought was genuine is actually artificial. When you thought that this was wheat, but it turns out to be weed, something happens. When you thought that this was an open door, but it really was a demonic trap, something happens. When you thought that this was bay, but it turns out to be bait, something happens. When you thought that it was a prophetic word from God, but it was really a liar in a business suit who claims to be a pastor, and you just fell for their prophecy when really it was a business pitch. Talk Holy Spirit. Something happens to our heart when we recognize what we thought was real is actually artificial. It actually calluses the heart to trust. Somebody say trust. So not only do you have trust issues with people, 
Not only do you have trust issues with the church, but now that has bled over into you having trust issues with God. So we say the devil is a liar, but then we really treat God like he is. Trust. Trust. Deception is one of the most painful blows to hit the human heart. And if this be true, no wonder the devil traffics in deception. Because he knows deception has the power to alter personalities. This is so good, y'all. You weren't that paranoid until you got deceived. You weren't an introvert until you got hurt. You weren't that standoffish until you got deceived because deception has the power, if we let it, to alter our personality. It leaves the residue of distrust on the heart. I said all of that so that we can remember this. Trust is a necessary ingredient for the Christian. Trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding. What if I were to tell you the more that you're deceived, it's actually a war move on your trustability. (laughs) So the more I get you to fall for something that is not God, the more you're paranoid over stuff that claims to be him. And paranoia and discernment are not the same thing. What God wants to do with this series is to teach us his voice because deception is at an all-time high. And you and I, you and I can't afford to preach, sit under, or binge spiritual simulac. We can't afford to binge, sit under, or preach Spiritual Similac, not the way 2023 is set up. Mm-mm. Not when everybody is saying, thus saith the Lord. Nope. Not, not the way our nation is going. Not the way the church is going. Not the way there seems to be a famine of sound biblical doctrine. Because watch this. Whenever there's a famine, people consume anything. Talk Holy Spirit. Whenever we are in a famine, everything looks edible. So we will eat it because it's inspiration, but not doctrine. We will eat it because it sounds good and it's popular, but not doctrine. Whenever we are starving, everything looks edible. So you and I have to be in a place where we know the voice of God for ourselves. The spirit of deception is at an all-time high. A lying tongue is at an all-time high. The most primary weapon of hell is the weapon of deceit. So what Satan loves to do is deceive through discussions. Are y'all getting this? Deceive through discussions so that That deception from that discussion can contaminate your decisions. 3D. We're going to wear the glasses later. But I want you to notice that the enemy operates with a 3D. Why? So that everywhere you look, you see it. I want you to see this three-dimensionally. I want to deceive you with discussions to contaminate your decisions. Why else do you think he walks around like a roaring lion versus running? I'm walking so I could talk to you. I'm walking so that I can get in your ear. I'm walking with you so that I could wear you down in your head. His weapon is the weapon of deception through discussions. And watch this, 
2023, everybody wants to discuss things on a mic. <laughs> not in prayer, not in accountability, not in, hey, let me bounce this idea off you. Everybody has open discussions. And what the enemy loves to do is to have deception through discussion. Bible all day. What is that old serpent doing with Eve? Having a discussion. Having a, discuss a discussion which he is operating in deception because he wants to contaminate her, her decision. This is so good. So God is speaking. It's not that he's silent. It's that we don't know his voice. God is speaking through nature. God is speaking through our trials. He's speaking through storms. God is speaking through other people. And they don't have to be Christian for God to speak through. See, some of us only think unless they got a PhD, they went to seminary, God can't speak through them. I'm here telling you in my own experience, God was speaking through my drunk roommate when I was at the club with him in college. When he was like, hey, bro, you don't look like you're enjoying yourself. You need to go home, read your Bible or something. <laughs> Drunk. With girls looking at me like, you don't look like you're having a good time, bro. You don't look like you're enjoying. You need to go home, read your Bible. And I'm hearing, you do need to go home. <laughs> what God was really tearing, telling Jerry at that moment is this is not who you are. You're not comfortable. You're trying to be here just because you got a Greek flyer that said you could come to this party and you're a freshman on campus. Your mom and daddy never let you go to this type of party. And you said, you know what, when I'm grown, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's funny that hell tells us what is really bondage freedom. I can't wait till I'm free until. It's really I can't wait till I'm bound and have nobody to help me. So we always think it has to be somebody who's a Christian. It could be a carnal boss that could say, you know what, I, you, you probably need to go to that prayer. That prayer meeting. No, and they don't pray. If God could speak through a donkey, what makes you think that we have to be at some spiritual height for him to speak to you too? Can I be transparent? I'm going to be real honest in this sermon. I used to always think that I'm mainly a dreamer. God does communicate to me through dreams. He does. But it wasn't until I got married that I recognized one of the main reasons God is communicating to me through dreams is because that's the only time where his voice has no competition. Everybody, I'm a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. No, it's because when you're awake, I have to compete. With the voice of Instagram, voice of Hulu, voice of Netflix. But when you are asleep, when you fall into your rim, when you are in your unconscious state, now that nobody's talking, I'm going to talk to you. How do you know God is speaking via a dream? You never forget it. It's a dream you never forget. It's a dream that answers something that you've been praying about and thinking about. It's almost as if the dream is answering something you're considering. That's not tacos you ate. <laughs> See, this has to be taught, though. Yeah, yeah. You remember it? It's God trying yes. to tell you something. Yes. And it's possible that due to the overwhelming voices at mics in 2023, we can't hear God's voice because of the voice of lies. I want to speak around this thought from this subject for just a few moments on this Sunday afternoon they're lying to you. 
they're lying to you. Look at somebody and tell them, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. They, they are lying to you. Maybe the reason God speaks to you in your dreams is because that's the only time he can speak with no competition. So it's truly a divine pillow talk. <laughs> divine pillow talk. This series, Voices, and this sermon that we are about to navigate through on today is going to be problematic for hell. This one, this particular sermon is going to expose satanic agendas because we cannot have a series on voices and not deal with the voice of the enemy. This one is going to be problematic. This series and this sermon on today is going to expose satanic strategies. And I just have a sneaky suspicion that freedom is going to hit the atmosphere on today. In the overflow and watching online, a retina display cannot limit when God is breathing on a word. Freedom is going to hit the house on today. And the reason I know it is because whenever the preacher gets free while preparing it, I don't even have to preach this. What it did for me. See, if it don't bless you, why are you preaching it? Whenever the preacher gets kingdom strategies while preparing it, I know that if that happened during preparation, God, what are you going to do during declaration? Freedom is going to happen on today because I'm going to try to help us to be able to pick through and learn when God is speaking versus when a lie is speaking to us. So more transparency. I used to always have these thoughts that would get in the way of something I discovered as of late. And that is, I love what I do. I really do. I love washing feet. I have the best job in the world. I wash feet for a living. I get to serve for a living. I get to disciple and be discipled for a living. I get to see my brothers and sisters get closer to Jesus. I get to see us grow. I love God's word. I love reading scripture and squeezing the text so that I can get every ounce of understanding out of that verse so that I can apply it to my life and inform others. Hey, let me tell you what this principle did for me. I love what God has called for me to do, but I never knew I did because I used to first book sessions with the voice of fear first. I used to book sessions with the voice of doubt first. And if you are like me, this means it's possible you don't even know what fulfills you. You don't even know what fulfills you or what you really do love because the volume of other voices are so loud that it's keeping you from recognizing this is something that I really do need. But the voice of insecurity won't let me glean from them. See, when you can learn how to discern and trace the sentence so that you could assign it to a voice. Please hear what I'm saying. Yeah. When you discern how to trace a sentence and assign it to a voice, you can veto it with the word of God. Are y'all getting this? Y'all have to get this. This changed my life. When you can discern a sentence and assign it to a voice, then we can actually do what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 tells us to do, then we could cast down imaginations. You are not responsible and you can't control every thought that flies through your mind. But you can control what lands. 
I need to say that one more time for my note takers. You can't control every thought that flies through your mind, but you can control what lands. What do you mean? By meditating on that, by dwelling on that, by rehearsing that. When you could discern and trace a sentence and tie it back to a voice, then we could cast down imaginations that exalts itself against the word and the knowledge of God and now I could bring captive. Are y'all hearing me? I could bring captive every thought. So I want to give y'all several examples. Are y'all ready for this? I want to give y'all several examples where y'all could truly get this. When you hear the sentence, what if I fail? Somebody say here. When you hear the sentence, what if I crack when I lead that song? What if I forget my sermon notes? What if I end up losing everything I have by obeying what God told me to do? Somebody say, what if? Okay, that sentence, we can assign that to the voice of fear. That's the voice of fear. When you could discern and trace a sentence, then you could assign it to a voice so that you could veto it with the word of God. A lot of us are hearing sentences, but since you don't know the voice, you're overwhelmed and experiencing mental chaos because you can't trace the sentence and tie it to a voice. Is this making sense? Fear. Both fear and faith demand for you to believe in something. They both do. Fear is designed to make you miss out on whatever it is that God has for you. When the voice of fear is dominant, it's because lies and terror have signed a contract agreement of mental torment. Y'all going to have to replay this one because there's a lot I want to share with you. When the voice of fear is dominant in your life, it's because somewhere lies and terror have signed a contract agreement of mental torment. But when you can discern and trace a sentence, then you can assign it to a voice. Then you can veto it with the word of God. What does the word of God say about fear? I'm glad you asked. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, fear not. <laughs> I love when the word of God compliments. Right there, fear not. Why? For I am with you. Be not dismayed. Some of us read that. We don't even know what dismayed means. Dismayed means don't be stressed by the unexpected. This makes sense. Fear not. Why? For I'm with you. Be not stressed by the unexpected, for I'm your God. That wasn't a shock to me. I knew what was going to happen. I knew what was coming. I knew about the layoff. I knew about the bad news. I knew that you wouldn't get approved. I knew about the pandemic. I am with you. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you can discern and trace the sentence and assign it to a voice, you can veto it with the word of God. Because it's one thing to hashtag the Bible. Proverbs 31. And Ephesians 5, man. John 3, 16. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Psalms 23. It's one thing to hashtag the Bible. It's another thing to know it's a sword. 
going to keep going. It's one thing to hashtag the Bible. It's another thing to know it's a sword. It's a greater thing to know how to fight with it. When I know how to fight with it, then I can know. When I feel fear, that sentence, that, 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 that comes from the voice of fear. But let me veto that with the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of what? Power. Talk to me. What? Love. What? Sound mind. God is saying, that fearful spirit, I didn't give you that. That horrifying spirit, I didn't give you that. That terrorizing spirit, I didn't give you that. That tormenting spirit, I didn't give you that. And now once you know that that sentence belongs to the voice of fear, veto it with my word. This is so good, y'all. When you hear voices that begin to tell you, nobody is going to support. <laughs> Some sister said, man, <laughs> nobody is going to. Nobody is going because when you hear nobody is, somebody say sentence, you could automatically assign that to the voice of doubt. When you could discern, I have to teach this, y'all. I'm not trying to preach. When you could discern and trace a sentence, then you could assign it to a voice. That's the voice of doubt. Ooh, I'm about to come for your neck. Doubt and procrastination are roommates. Whenever you are procrastinating in an area, it's because of something you're doubting. And whenever you're doubting a thing, it's because of something that you're procrastinating. They're roommates. You can't meet procrastination and not find doubt across the hall. You can't meet doubt and not find procrastination down the hall. Like I told us, procrastination is disobedience in slow motion. Doubt and procrastination keeps your harvest stuck in transit. You're telling me you're going to delay. This is not a process. This is your doubt. God could use you if you mess up. God could use us when we have a dirty past. God can use us when we fall short. But when we doubt, when we doubt, we limit what God wants to do. When we doubt his truth and agree with Satan's lies. When you could discern and trace a sentence, then you could assign it to a voice, the voice of doubt. Now, I'm going to veto that with the word of God. Psalms 138, verse 8. I want us to fully get this, y'all. Please hear me. Because when you are, when you are in a place when you're constantly listening to a voice of doubt, it's, this means you will be stagnant by concerns. So what does the word of God say? Psalms 138, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. I love God's word. I'm stagnant by concerns. I'm going to perfect everything that concerns you. It may not be the way that you want it, but my way is going to be perfect if you trust me. Perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O oh Lord, endures forever. Because when you could discern and trace a sentence back to a voice, then you'll be able to veto it with the word of God. So when you hear the sentence, theirs is better than mine. Anybody heard that one before? Yeah. Anybody? Any honest people? I know it's more than four people. Theirs is. Thank you. I'm talking about lies today. <laughs> Theirs is better. They had this before 30. She did this. I've been believing God 38 years. She was on a stripper pole in 2020. And God, you gone. <laughs> Theirs 
is. When you hear theirs is, that sentence, you could automatically assign that to the voice of comparison. The voice of comparison. When you could discern and trace a sentence and assign it to a voice, you could veto it with the word of God. When you hear the sentence, I don't know if I can measure up. I don't know if I'm just as good as. That's the sentence. You can trace that to the voice of not enough. I'm trying to help us, y'all. When you hear voices, don't believe them. Because you can lie to you. And the biggest lie is when you believe your lies, your truth. If the truth sets us free, lies hold you hostage. And it's dangerous when you have believed a lie for so long that you have adopted it as your truth. Because when lies are frequent, it becomes your frequency. Talk Holy Spirit. So what a lie is designed to do is to brew internal arguments so that we'll be flooded with conflicting reports. I can't do that. You can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Man, I don't know if I'm good enough. You're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. The, 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 the power of a lie is it causes internal arguments on the inside. The way you always are frowning, it's not because something stinks. It's not just because of Houston's heat. You were frowning when we had that freeze. It doesn't matter the weather conditions. It's there is a typhoon of internal arguments brewing in your soul. And I'm here trying to let you know the reason it exists is because there's somewhere in your life where you're believing lies. Or what's worse, we befriended a liar. And we're seeking the counsel of somebody who lies to us. Hear me. You don't rise to the level of your goals because of what you see regularly. You rise or fall due to the volume of voices you listen to consistently. The voices. I told you I got a lot. You don't have to replay it. I'm trying to get through all this. Whatever I'm listening to, this foundational text that I want us to look at, we're going to look at the life of King Ahab. King Ahab. His wife always has talked about Jezebel. But Jezebel's and Ahab's go together. And I never understood why is everything a Jezebel spirit and we don't talk about an Ahab one. Ahab ruled in Samaria as king of Israel for 22 years. And he was one of the most wicked kings in all of Israel. I'm not preaching cap. I could show you right in the text. First Kings chapter 16, verse 32, it says, First Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up on it an Asherah pole. An Asherah pole is the goddess Asherah. It is a limbless tree that they would worship by prostitution and orgies. They would do this around this tree as a form of worship, okay? So he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the kings of Israel before him. 
King Ahab one day wanted this vineyard in Naboth. And he asked this, he wanted this vineyard in Jezreel that belonged to Naboth. And he asked him, hey, can I have your vineyard? He said, man, I ain't about to give you my stuff. Far be it from me that if I give you the inheritance that God gave me. No, bro, move around. It's my vineyard. And so King Ahab is upset. And he wants the vineyard. He goes home. He's pouting about it. He could hardly sleep. So Jezebel is like, what's wrong with you? She said, I wanted, I wanted Naboth's vineyard. And he wouldn't give it to me. And Jezebel says, are you the king of Israel or not? Don't worry. I'll handle it. I'll take care of it for you. She conjures up a plan that gets Naboth killed to where dogs end up licking up his blood. So after this, God is like, all right, prophet Elijah, I need you to go send this word to King Ahab for me. I want you all to see what it says. First Kings chapter 21, verse 17, it says, but the Lord said to Elijah, go down to meet King Ahab of Israel who rules in Samaria. He will be at Naboth's vineyard in Jezreel, claiming it for himself. Give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too? Now, if you read this story, Naboth didn't technically kill. I mean, um, Ahab didn't necessarily kill Naboth, but his wife coerced a plan to kill him. This is why last year I was trying to teach us in cuffing season, be careful who you become one with. He didn't kill him, but your wife did. And y'all are one on this. Says, if that wasn't enough that you killed Naboth, must you rob him too? Because you have done this, dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they licked the blood of Naboth. So... King Ahab's days are numbered. He's a man that's about to reap the consequence of his action. And the foundational scripture that we're about to exegete for a few moments, I believe just personally, this is just my opinion, is one of the most powerful scriptures in all of the Bible because it gives us a snapshot of the spirit realm. I've taught us that there's a spirit realm and there's a natural realm. Nothing happens in the natural that did not already happen in the spiritual. So that we could better understand it, it's like New Year's Eve, we come together, the clock hits midnight in New York, they're already in 2024, but we still are in 2023. It happened there before it happened here. Does that make sense? Okay, so after all of this, there's this passage of scripture, 1 Kings chapter 20. Two is a lot of length. I can't do hopscotch. We have to read all of this. Are y'all ready? Thank God for churches that preach the Bible. Amen. Amen. Okay, verse 1. For three years, there was no war between Aram and Israel. Then during the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah went to visit King Ahab of Israel. During the visit, the king of Israel said to his officials, Do you realize that the town of Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we've yet have done anything to recapture it from the king of Aram. Then he turned to Jehoshaphat and asked, will you join me in battle to recover Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops 
are as your troops and my horses as your horses. Then Jehoshaphat added, but first, let's find out what the Lord says. Remember last week? Did you get confirmation first? Tanisha, let me see who sent you. Somebody needs to highlight that passage. Let's first find out what the Lord says. So the king of Israel summoned the prophets, about 400 of them, and asked them, should I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should I hold back? They all replied, yes, go right ahead. The Lord will give you the victory. He will give the king victory. But Jehoshaphat's like, uh, <laughs> is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? <laughs> we, we should ask him the same question. Please don't miss this, y'all. Please don't miss this. Notice he wants to do a thing, and he seeks out people who will agree with him to do it. But Jehoshaphat says, okay, you're surrounded by false prophets that tell you what you want to hear. Is there a prophet of God around that we can hear from him? And this is what tripped me out. The king of Israel replied to Jehoshaphat, there's one. So you knew about it, bro. Okay. So there's one, one more who could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. His name is Micaiah, son of Imola. <laughs> Jehoshaphat replied, that's not the way the king should talk. Let's hear what he has to say. I love the wisdom in this because he's probably like, you hear from false prophets, bro. How can I get him to know, uh, let's seek God on this? And he deliberately says, I'm not seeking out one who hears God's voice. I hate people who tells me what God really is thinking about me because it doesn't sit well with what I want. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, quick, bring Micaiah, king of Israel, and king of Jehoshaphat of Judah dressed in their royal robes and were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor near the gate of Samaria. All of Ahab's prophets were prophesying there in front of them. Then one of them, Zedekah, son of Kaniah, made some iron horns and proclaimed, This is what the Lord says. With these horns, you will gore the Arameans to death. All the other prophets agreed. Yes, they said, go up to Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, for the Lord will give the king victory. Meanwhile, the messenger went, the messenger who went to get Micaiah said to him, All right, look, homie, all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. <laughs> But Micaiah replied, as surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what the Lord tells me to say. When Micaiah arrived before the king, Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should we hold back? Micaiah re replied sarcastically, yes, go up and be victorious for the Lord will give the king the victory. He's like, everybody gassing you up, keep letting them gas you. <laughs> it's the Bible, y'all. Y'all should read it sometime. Okay. Um, but the king replied sharply, how many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak for the Lord? Then Micaiah told him, in a vision I saw all of Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Didn't I tell you? 
The king of Israel exclaimed to Jehoshaphat, he never prophesies anything but trouble for me. Then Micaiah continued, listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the armies of heaven around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions. And finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, I could do it. Just so that we could understand this, his doom has already been pronounced. And there is nothing that could happen in the earth without God approving or allowing it. And since he has already rebelled against God, God's like, okay, how is he going to reap what he has sown? And the spirit said, okay, I know how to do it. Verse 22, how will you do this? The Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out. If you were sleepy, please wake up. I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord has put proper translation is allowed. The Lord has allowed a lying spirit in the mouth of all of your prophets. For the Lord has pronounced your doom. Our verses of emphasis and what I really want us to pay attention to is verse 23, 22, and 23. And the spirit, this is a demon, a fallen angel said, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You see, the Lord has allowed a lying spirit on the tongue of these prophets. And just like we see in this passage, I'm going to get in trouble. It is the exact same thing that we are seeing on today. There are a multitude of false prophets and false teachers in the earth that have been coerced and are influenced by a lying spirit. I can't wait to end this series I deal with beware of false teachers. There is a lying spirit. And how do you know if they are a liar or a false prophet? Here comes the edges. You can always identify a false prophet or a false teacher if they tell you constantly what you want to hear. I feel that the Lord is telling me you're going to be the first millionaire in your family. Everybody shouts. God is telling me your harvest is on the way. Everybody shouts. I, God is telling me you're going to get a house. Everybody shouts. God is telling me in your next season, everywhere you look, win, 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 win. You're going to get a Bugatti. You can get a Rolls Royce. And people are shouting and they're screaming. And we see in the text, that's the nature of a lying spirit. The spirit of deception on the mouth of a pastor, on a podcaster, or on a leader is when I constantly tell people things that get me likes. When I constantly tell people things that they want to hear. When I constantly tell people things that will grow my platform because I don't care about you losing and dying. I care about my status. I care about your soul. I care about your offering. So I'm going to lie to you and tell you that I love you. And a lying spirit on the tongue of many false teachers. We're binging it because we're kind of like King Ahab ourselves. We don't like people telling us the truth. 
So he was looking for people who were going to agree with him. Many of us, we're suffering more in our head due to the lies of the voices of lies than we are actually facing things difficult in life. It's the lies. Somebody say lies. It's the lies. This is the weapon of the enemy. He uses the weapon of deception and lies to put static in our soul to where we can't hear heaven. And unfortunately, I can't believe I have to say this. The church in America, not all of them, but a lot of them, the bigger the platform, the more the lies. The bigger the platform, more the deceit. Because we see in the text, people don't like when you really hear a word from the Lord. If there's anybody who's going to talk about the devil that I want to learn from, it's what Jesus said about him. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 43. He says, why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you, this is strong, y'all, for you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do things, evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is constant or consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. What stood out to me as I was reading this is when Jesus called the devil a murderer. Okay, when did he kill somebody? He said he's a murderer from the beginning. Who did he kill? Until the Holy Spirit gave me the revelation, deceit and murder are siblings. Whenever you believe a lie, you just killed something. Talk, Holy Spirit. Lies commit homicide. When you believe a lie, it murders your peace. When you believe a lie, it murders your, ident your identity and how you see yourself in Christ. When you believe a lie, it murders your joy. When you believe a lie, it murders your confidence. When you believe a lie, it murders your clarity. When you believe a lie, it murders your discernment. He was a murderer from the beginning. And I think right now we need to serve notice to the enemy that we recognize that he is a liar. I told us I'm exposed satanic strategies on today. He is a liar and the father of lies. They're lying to you. They're lying to you. Can I get us to say this confession, y'all? I feel this, y'all. Can I get us to say this as loud as you can and everybody watching online, put this in the room in all caps. Can I get us to say, Father, expose every lie. I want freedom by your truth and your power. One more time. Father, expose every I want, I want freedom by your truth, by your truth and, your and your power. Does anybody agree with that prayer? I don't want to live a lie. I don't want to live a lie. I want freedom and the truth will set me free. There are people under the sound of my voice and in the overflow and watching online, you have constantly been seeing yourself through a lens of lies. And our adversary, the devil, he's been working on somebody's head all day, already. 
He's been working on your head all morning. Matter of fact, he worked on your head last night. He's been working on your head all this week, all month, ever since you made up your mind to be sold out. Ever since you made up your mind to surrender to the gospel, ever since you made up your mind that if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to be all the way in and give Jesus everything I got. Ever since you made up your mind, I'm not going to get high anymore. Ever since you made up your mind, I don't need an alcoholic beverage anymore after I've dealt with the character building day. I don't need to get high. I don't need to get drunk. Ever since you made up your mind, I'm going to stop sleeping with them, him or her. When you made your mind up to do that, you have been experiencing an array of lies assaulting your mind. Somebody say he's a liar. liar. Assault after assault, attack after attack because he's attacking your mind, your mind. See, if we were to go a little deeper, I want us to really understand this. Hell is not too concerned about those that are on his turf. Okay? Now, truthfully, As long as you have oxygen in your lungs, as long as you have warm blood flowing through your veins, and your cardiac activity is still operational, you're a threat to hell. Because at any moment when you are pent from your ways, surrender to the power of Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection, get discipled and pursue Christ, you become a problem for the enemy. But when you are living how you want, and you're on his turf, he really doesn't bother you too much. He pacifies you with pleasures. He, he pacifies you with promotions. What y'all thought only God opens doors to? The devil can too. He, he pacifies you with more money and, and wealth. This is something he does to keep you content being lost. Hmm. In fact, on your, claim, on your claimed Christian journey, if you never experience an assault, if you never experience defeated thoughts, If you never encounter a devil, it might be because y'all are both going the same way. This is strong, man. He really doesn't bother those that are his. But the ones he becomes an, a mental assassin to, the ones that he becomes a psychological terrorist to, are the ones he lost. One person got it. The ones he attacks the most, the ones he's talking to the most are the ones he lost because this is his goal. I'm going to try to infect the motherboard of the meditations with lies. Did y'all hear me? I'm going to try to infect the motherboard of the meditations with lies because I know meditations become manifestations. Bible all day. Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinketh, so is he. Your life is constructed by how you think. And so what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to infect the motherboard of their meditations. Because I know their meditations can become manifestations. And I know they limit themselves when they claim God but believe my lies. I'm going to try to get them to see themselves through a lie. Could it be possible your mind is not that jacked up? Ooh, my head jacked up. Maybe it's not. It's just you don't know how to fight with the sword. Remember, he's an accuser of the brethren. And in this sermon, what I'm trying to get you to see is if you could discern the sentence and trace it to a voice. You can veto it with the word of God. Maybe your head is not jacked up. You just don't read your Bible only on Sunday. 
So you have no ammo on how to cast down thoughts because for you to cast down I'm nothing and replace it with I can do all things, you have to know the word of God. So many people are listening and like, I want to hear an audible word for God, from God. And God's like, do you read my written word though? He tries to assault us with lies. He really doesn't mess with those that are on his turf. I want to help somebody. When you start hearing thoughts like, you're not really forgiven. How are you going to do that? Your past is too dirty. You just was sipping something two weeks ago. You honestly think God is going to, when you start hearing thoughts like that, rejoice. Because it's proof hell lost one. So good. I'm trying to teach it, Don, not preach it. I'm trying to calm down. But I think just for a moment, everybody who knows hell lost one should give God a praise. And a, that's too calm for me. Hell lost one. You should have taken me out when you had me. You should have killed me while I was on the street slanging dope. You should have taken me out when I was a prostitute. You should have killed me when I was a gangbang and I was in them streets. You should have taken me out when I was ignorant of the gospel. But now that I'm in Christ, I'm going to cause problems for the camp of hell. Now that I'm in Christ, I'm going to campaign the kingdom agenda. Now that I'm in Christ, I'm going to have a kingdom lineage. Now that I'm in Christ, I'm going to live a life of godliness. That's not old school, that's biblical. When you start hearing thoughts like that, it's because the enemy is confirming hell lost one. In fact, I learned this methodology years ago. If the devil is a liar and the father of lies, whatever he tells you, just believe the opposite because that's the truth. This sermon not going to be good. This sermon is going to be awesome by the power of the gospel. Believe the opposite. I don't know if I'm not enough. I am enough in Christ, not my own works. And so I've learned when I hear him talk, reverse it because he's telling me the opposite. This is so good, y'all. Before you quit, remember the devil is a liar. Before you feel you're making no significance, remember the devil is a liar. Before you fold and say this is not going to happen, remember the devil is a liar. Before you highlight their highlight reel and billboard your screw-ups, remember the devil is a liar. While you're minimizing your spiritual milestones and, and magnifying your screw-ups, please remember all of your screw-ups have been hung up. He's a liar. Somebody shout, he's a liar. I feel power in here. On when you can understand it's a lie, you get confidence. Not in yourself, but by the power of the cross. Before you doubt what God put in you, remember the devil is a liar. Before you quit because you think that this is too much, remember the devil is a liar. Before you feel like the pain of suicide is too much for the pain is causing for you to consider suicide and it's too much, remember the devil is a liar. All suicide does is transfer pain. You, are, you may have killed yourself, but now you're hurting something in your children and your family. The devil is a liar. He just doesn't want you to live because there's something on the inside of you that is going to cause problems for his kingdom. Before you quit... Pull the trigger, take the pills. Remember the devil is a liar. I taught us 
suicide lies because it's trying to get you to kill you when really it's something else that may need to die. Maybe the alcohol needs to die. Maybe the pornography needs to die. Not you. The devil is a liar. So lies have four agendas. Spread, sever, suffocate, and murder. That's the agenda of a lie. Lies spread, they sever, suffocate, and murder. Break it down, Pastor. I'm already going to do it. Spread. Lies are only effective if it has carriers who like to gossip. Lies are only effective if it has carriers who like to gossip. They die if they hit a carrier who has a bridal tongue. The power of a lie is it likes to, to spread. We will podcast something in a minute without getting facts first. Lies. Lies sever. They are designed to amputate a belief. They sever. They are designed to amputate a belief. Whatever it is that you believe about Scripture, lies are designed to amputate that belief. Lies suffocate. They choke out hope. That's the purpose. Cut off the oxygen. And lies murder. They kill a witness, a blessing, or a promised land. I have a whole bunch of scriptures that I want to show us, but time is not permitting for me to do so. I, I, I want us to consider these, and then I'm going to give you some points, and then, then we're done. I think there's a lot here that I just kind of dumped on you that we're probably going to need to unpack. We have to really understand the power of a lie is it wants us to see in 3D. Okay? What are the three Ds? Deception, distraction, discouragement. Deception, distraction, discouragement. And I want everybody who has these glasses, hopefully I told it to pass them out. I was going to have some image, but I said, no, this, this is going to be better. Everybody who has glasses, put them on. Just put them on for a second. We're not going to watch a 3D movie. That's not the point of this. <laughs> but I, I want you to see, if you keep these long enough, they'll actually, if you keep these on long enough, they'll actually give you a headache. <laughs> because you're trying to see through another lens. Now look at people around you. <laughs> Somebody's like, whoa, they ain't that, <laughs> they're not that 3D. But look, a lot of us, hear me, I want you to look around the room. This is how a lot of us are looking in the spirit. You're looking through another lens versus scripture. So sometimes you see blood, other times you see a mistake. Sometimes you believe you're blood covered. Let me close. Look at my right eye. I see number red. I'm blood covered. I'm looking at my sisters. Y'all blood covered. But then let me close my right eye. Left, I see a cold world. I see cold hearts. And so we walk around looking at distorted figures, not because they're distorted, but because our lens is. And so regardless of where I look, I see what I'm wearing. Every relationship, all you see is lies, 3D, everywhere. 
Every church you go to, you are going in the church with a 3D lens on. Every time somebody wants to help, you're seeing in 3D. You can't see nothing but deception, distractions, and discouragement. Some of us are distracted by everybody wearing these glasses. <laughs> and it's hard for you to hear what I'm saying. Is this distracting anybody from hearing what I'm saying? Anybody kind of distracting? Sometimes it is harder to hear when you're looking at the wrong thing. Sometimes you are distracted. And the longer I kept these on, when I was practicing this, the more my eyes started to get irritated. And I was like, okay, maybe God wants us to have visual aid for this sermon. To not just take them off. I want everybody to rip them. Don't just take them off, tear them. I don't care. I'll be nice. Go on Amazon. You can get them. A whole pack. <laughs> tear them and keep them with you so that you could always remember this is the power you have over seeing in the enemy's 3D. You have, the, you have the power to rip up the lies, to rip up the falsehood, to rip up the fallacy where you can actually see things how they're supposed to be. Now, if you're like me, once you took the glasses off, for a minute, your eyes had to adjust. So why do you think you should have it perfect as soon as you come to Christ? You naturally had to adjust for a second. You still kind of see red. You still kind of see blue. Some of us might still see it. But in the same way, when you come to Christ, if your natural eye took a little second, to adjust back to seeing right. What makes you think that when you're in Christ, you won't need some time to learn how to know his voice? Everybody hold these up. Hold them. Some of us need to keep them. Hold them up. This is what the power of the gospel would do. You could tear the lens. The lens of trauma. The lens of insecurity. Jesus' blood is enough to rip what the enemy is trying to get us to see ourselves through. I'm only going to see myself through the blood of Jesus. It's the only way I'm going to see myself. Point number one, how do we identify the voice of a lie? Number one, when it's a lie, it will give you a label. Whenever it's a lie, it will give you a label. I am a failure. I am an adulterer. I am... It will give you a label. Somebody say label. label. Number two, when it's a lie, it will be mixed with some truth. <laughs> Can I mess y'all up? Two people said yes, so I'll wait. Can I mess y'all up? The enemy likes to lie to you with facts. <laughs> That's a contradiction, Pastor. How, how do you lie with facts? I'm glad you asked. It's a fact that you and I have sinned. It's a lie that we are sinners. He'll lie to you with facts. It's a fact there's something called gravity. And when you step out this boat, Peter, gravity is gonna make you go under. It's a lie that Jesus will ever let you drown. He tries to lie to us with facts. It's a fact that Lazarus was dead. It's a lie that his story was over. See, for all of my intellectuals in the room, it's going to be hard for God to do the miraculous when you can't see beyond facts. It's going to be hard. 
because intellectuals have a tendency, hear me, intellectuals have a tendency to walk by sight. <laughs> walk by research. Walk by, it's been proven. The Bible I read says that eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard. What are you going to do when God wants to give you a miracle that eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard? You can't Google the miracle I'm about to do. You can't even Google it because I haven't done it. So he'll lie to you with facts. Yes, it's a fact God hates sin. It's a lie that God hates you. I'm trying to expand our faith to be able to see beyond facts. I wouldn't even look for a building if I just went off facts. Just 8 million, 10 million. Do y'all have a million? Nope. All right, y'all, I don't know what we're going to do. If, if I went off facts, I wouldn't have faith. And I'm trying to tell somebody the reason your faith is so limited is because you never can see beyond facts. It's a lie when it's mixed with truth. Number three, when it's a lie, it will contradict Scripture. Anything that goes against the written word of God never claim as an audible word of God. The reason we're dealing with this series is because 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 lets us know, short, lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And what I'm trying to expose us to on today is Satan's devices. And his main one is lies. Number four, when it's a lie, it will give you the easiest route. <laughs> well, you know, fastest way we can get this money is if I go to the blocking. It will give you the easiest route. Man, this marriage is over, bro. I'm going to just get a divorce. Easiest route. It's easier for you to quit. It always tries to tell you what is the easiest decision for yourself. Not saying that God's route is the hardest, but usually the reason it feels the hardest is because our flesh is the loudest. When it's a lie, it makes next seem unattainable. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed, God, thank you for a building. God, thank you for a building. God, thank you. You told me in your word, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Let me live that. God, I thank you for a building. God, are we going to get a building? God, are we going to, how are we going to get a building? God, thank you for a building. God, thank, I'm just being honest. Lies make you believe that next is unattainable. So now I, I have to feast on my own sermon. It's not delay, it's training day. Training day. Number six, when it's a lie, it will cause for you to shrink back. I don't know why I used to do this in school. Sometimes I would know the answer. But all my friends were not the smartest. So I would deliberately not raise 
my hand. Anybody else did that? Anybody? Okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel judged. All right. But I, I would deliberately shrink back because I knew what I could do. Lies want you to shrink back. Remember, 2021, I told us, lies and insecurity are designed to get you to downplay what God wants to display. And last point, when it's a lie, you'll begin to second guess God's truth. When it's a lie. When it's a lie. I pray that this sermon, I pray that this sermon serves as a compass. We can shout, but if we ain't learning, what does it matter? You can shout, but you can't shift. You can clap, but you can't clap back to the enemy's lies. You can clap back to everybody else but a devil. Clap back to everybody else but a belief system. So I wanted to teach on today. Because the voice, hearing the voice of God is not something that you activate emotions for people to just shout for. When you go home, I want to give you doctrine where you know how to fight. Discern and trace a sentence and assign it to a voice so that you can veto it with the word of God. God, in this moment, rip the lens. Naturally, we had 3D goggles, but rip the spiritual lens that's causing for us to see ourselves in any other way beyond how you see us. God, I pray that you give us discernment to be able to identify when false teachers are talking to us. And help us, God, to also identify when we're talking to ourselves. Give us the wisdom throughout the next several weeks in this series to really know your voice for ourselves. Remind us that the devil is a liar and forgive us for claiming that he's a liar and treating you like you're one. Give us hearts to believe the gospel, the power of the cross, and your scriptures as truth and make us lovers of the truth. As you promised us, the truth will set us free. And we desire freedom in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you say amen all over the building? Amen.